they don't even need penetration and we're already like yes yeah i'm already like clenching my fucking legs over this guy breathing like it's fine they're fucking dry humping like in any other thing yeah yeah (laughs) literally in any other thing it'd be like oh yeah they dry humped and i'd be like fucking pussies like why don't they have sex and in this i'm like oh dry hump the fuck out of each other let's go What's up, good girls and guys? Welcome to the Juiciest Book Podcast, where we discuss our favorite spicy stories from cutesy romance to smut and all the fantasy in between. I'm Carly. And I'm Taylor. Welcome to Read It and Ride It. (laughs) Let's go, baby. (laughs) We're back. We're back. And today we're doing Archer's Voice by Mia Sheridan, one of my all-time favorite books, for sure, overall, a five out of five for me. I really, really liked this book. I didn't rate it five out of five, but it was a four out of five. I think I'm just too into my dark romance right now, where this book wasn't (laughs) kinky enough to make it a five for me. Of course (laughs) not. But it was so good. The plot was so good. I actually enjoyed the vanilla romance of it. It was very surprising. And honestly, the multiple plot twists in this just Mm -hmm. kept me fucking going. So good. I completely agree. To give you an overall synopsis of Archer's voice, it is the story of a woman chained to the memory of one horrifying night and the man whose love is the key to her freedom. It is the story of a silent man who lives with an excruciating wound and the woman who helps him find his voice. It is the story of suffering, fate, and the transformative power of love. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I love this book so much. I'm so glad we're doing this one already. So, so good. So cute. So getting into the rest of the ratings, I want to start with action. This is kind of surprisingly a three out of five because... There is a scene that involves some fighting and shooting. Actually, there's multiple shooting scenes Mm -hmm. um, that really affect the plot. So there is some violence. And then world building. This is just your basic one out of five. Realistic. It's a small town. But this small town has some fucking secrets packed in there. Oh, yeah. And then humor wise, one out of five for me. I, I didn't laugh during this. Okay. I didn't think it was funny. You're a hater. I thought it was funny. (laughs) I gave it at least a two out of five. I mean, there's those scenes like when Archer's learning to drive and ends up eating Brie out and Travis knocks on the window because he gets a call for like someone driving around in this dirt lot. Okay. Or or like when Brie was like, I wasn't going to tell him that coming in your pants wasn't exactly something to be smug about. How could you not laugh at that? I guess I'll change it to a 1.5. Because I smiled at it, but like still, this book is not a humorous book. We're not here for the comedy. Yeah, I guess that's true. But sad scale wise, four out of five. I I cried like unexpectedly. And then all of a sudden, it's fucking back again. I'm crying again. I was Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck's going on? I had to give it a five out of five because this is one of those books that I was crying so hard, I couldn't even see the page. And I had the physical book too. So not only couldn't I see what I was reading, but I'm trying to find out 
if what just happened really happened. And so I'm getting my tears all over the page and wrinkling my physical book. And I'm like, I had to close it and put it down because I was such a wreck. But don't let that scare you. It's still really good. It's so worth it's it. It's just so like, it's so uh, powerful. Oh so my gosh. powerful. Yeah. And that's why I love it so much. You don't expect it from the cover. Like no. I, I had no idea what this book was. It was actually suggested to me by someone else. So I went into it not knowing what it was about. Yeah. I didn't, I usually don't read like the back cover. Honestly, a lot of books that I find, I just watch a TikTok of it and I'm like, oh yeah, sounds good. So I like kind (laughs) of know what I'm getting into, but this one, my friend just said, read it. It's so good. The Spice is a two out of six. So Vanilla Romance, there are definitely spicy scenes in there, but they're not crazy. But how the sex is described is so unique especially because of how the main character is. Yeah. Just, I've never read something like it. Yeah, it really blew my mind and I really did enjoy it. I will say that also amped up the fluff. It's easily a four out of five because the romance and the emotional level of their connection is so strong. There were so many moments where I was giddy and like, okay, this is a meant to be love. Like their paths were meant to cross, you know? Yes, totally faded. Just not mates. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. really, really like the I stars mean, were aligned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess like maybe soulmates. But yeah. 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 They're perfect for each other. Heartmates. I don't know. But I don't know. So good. you get the gist. <laughs> <laughs> so Brie is our FMC for this book. She's about 21, 22 years old. So maybe like right out of college kind of vibe. Also, did you notice, like, how the hell is the first description of Brie on page 105? I feel like it's because it's from her point of view. Well, it's dual POV. Doesn't the dual POV start from 105 or, like, closer to there? Yeah, you know, I don't know when it starts. I know there's some scenes with Archer and his trauma when he's younger early on. Yeah. And I don't know when it switches into him like as an adult day. yeah because it definitely starts with brie and how she moves to town and acclimates and you know is facing her own trauma which speaking of trauma both of them have a lot of trauma brie in particular there were constant flashbacks and hints in the beginning at a negative sexual experience involving a gun right and i really liked the way they did the flashbacks in this book because i felt like Sometimes I would be reading it and flipping the page and being like, I want to get back to the flashback. Like, I want to know what's going on because the flashback was a whole plot in itself for Archer. And I mean, even though it was surrounded by his mom and the uncle at first, and then it kind of went into the one where it was him and Travis's relationship, but you knew it was all building. And I felt like the flashbacks were necessary for the plot line. Whereas there's other books that I've read where I've literally skipped the flashbacks. I'm like, fuck this. I could care (laughs) less about this information, though I know it builds to the plot. But it was needed in this book. Yeah, for sure. Because it it alluded to trauma bonding in the end, right? Right, Which is a huge trope for this book. Right, big time. A couple certain things that happened to Brie is we find out her father was shot and killed 
while he's signing with sign language for her to hide because her father was deaf. And then to top it off, one of her best friends, Jordan, was in love with her and decides it's a good time to try to make out with her right after she lost her dad, which I think is ultimately what pushed her to move and start fresh in that small town. Because are you kidding me, Jordan? Dude, I know. pick a worse time. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely not meant to be, Jordan, no. because you didn't fucking read the room. Oh, God. It's funny because, you know, there are books where the main male character is the one that kind of comes in and is with her right after her trauma. Oh, yeah. But I don't think Jordan necessarily realized what her trauma was because I think she kind of kept the rape thing a little bit on the DL. Mm -hmm. So then someone coming in hot and wanting to do something sexual with her, she's like, what the fuck? No, no. like I have no trust in men right now. Mm -mm. And so he just, he didn't play his cards right. It's fine. We didn't fucking like you anyway, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Because our our main man, Archer, our MMC coming in hot. And he's about 23 years old. So just a couple years older than her. Yeah, they're both lived some life before she came around. Oh, God. Yeah. They're both, you know, early 20s type characters, which I liked. Archer's vibe in general when you first meet him is like homeless, rugged, but hot. (laughs) If that makes sense. Sexy lumberjack. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, there's literally the first thought she has when she sees him is she's like stunned because he's so attractive, even though he's like got scraggly hair and like not good clothes. And then the next time she sees him, he's literally chopping wood. So sexy lumberjack is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Another way to describe him is he is a beta male character. I've never read a beta male character. I've always read books where the male is the one taking charge and doing everything. And Archer's not like that. He doesn't feel like he's good enough for her. He has this innocence about him. He's so kind. He's so selfless. And I think all of those things are just making you root for him until the end. Like I didn't need him to slam her against a wall and choke her out and fuck her. Right. Like That would have not been the vibe for this. And I, I would have been like, okay, what the fuck? I would have been so like, shocked. Excuse me? No. <laughs> and I think that comes down to his own trauma that he had. Yeah. His trauma also from the start is told in flashbacks to give a summary he had a broken home who he thought was his dad marcus abused him his mom died from the car flipping when uh she tried to run away with his actual dad connor who was marcus's brother do we think marcus shooting archer in the neck which ultimately causes him to lose his voice was an accident I don't think Marcus's intention was necessarily to kill Archer. I think it was to kill Connor Connor, and the mom. Well, the mom was already dead from the car accident. So I think you're probably right, though. He was probably trying to shoot Connor. I don't remember him purposely stepping in front of him, but I know that he was pissed that his mom was dead and was charging after him. So that's why I'm kind of like, yeah. did you go and shoot him because he's charging you? But it's a little fucking kid. What is he going to do? Hit your leg? You know, like, dude. Yeah, I think it was just like emotions were high for him. And he was just, you know, he was not doing. Yeah, he was doing whatever. I don't think that he 
intentionally tried to shoot Archer and I don't think he intentionally tried to shoot him in the neck for him to lose his voice. I think that that was just something that happened. One of the saddest parts about Connor, who he finds out later is his real dad gets shot. He's fucking holding him and he's like, my boy, my boy, my sweet boy, which are like, holy shit. Like he's the fucking dad. Like what the fuck? Oh my God, I know. And then when, while Archer's literally choking on his blood, because he just got shot in the fucking neck, in his head, he's like, I was his boy and happiness filled my chest. I had a daddy who was happy I was his. Seriously started crying uncontrollably. I mean, to picture yourself as a kid, like you think that your actual dad like hates you and abuses you and you have this really cool uncle and then All you're sudden- on your deathbed and finally you realize, oh my God, I did have a dad who loved me. Like, I'm getting choked up. Right. Like his dad was basically a monster in his eyes. And then he has this uncle that's going to take them away, make sure that his mom's happy. And then he's losing that because he thinks he's dying. But he's like, at least I'm dying here in my happiness. Yeah. Yeah. A key part in this story is that from his trauma, he is mute, which I think is the main thing that makes this book so unique and so powerful i've never read anything like it when i read the part where you find out he's not deaf he just can't talk i was literally like shaking my book i was like oh my god because it's kind of a plot twist of its own no totally and i think just having the uniqueness of the sign language like how it was in italics rather than quotes in the story and i was like Aw, she knows sign language when she starts signing to him. And he's kind of like, what the fuck? She knows sign language? Like, they were totally meant to be. Oh, yeah. And the fact that her dad was deaf and then Archer can't speak. At first, I thought, okay, this seems really convenient. But at the same time, it's like you were saying, like, it's meant to be. And also makes me want to learn sign language. I'm like, I know. It's so sad when he has that one part where he says he literally would talk to his dogs in sign language because there was no one in the entire town that could speak with him in sign language. Right. And then he was scared to go out in the world as well because not only did he really not know how to kind of do anything because of his upbringing Mm -hmm. but then he could only speak in sign language so he was kind of afraid like how the fuck am i going to be able to do anything right i can only sign god it's just so sad yeah one of the best quotes too i think is sometimes an understanding silence was better than a bunch of meaningless words which is so fucking true Mm -hmm. whether you're deaf or mute or not Yes. Body language, reading your significant other, like so powerful, so important. And in this story, it's so heightened. Right. And I think it makes the sex scenes more heightened because oh, he yeah. can't speak to her. Maybe this is why I was down with this vanilla romance because oh. they had to be descriptive about Archer's actions. When they were showing either his love or when they were having sex. Because he can't be like, good girl, crawl to me. (laughs) He has to do stuff with his body and his eyes. Oh my God, do you know what we need to do? We need to make a good girl shirt in sign hands. How fucking cute (gasps) would that be? 
Yes. How fucking cute would that be? That would be so fucking cute. Oh my God. Also, because he can't speak, he has to show his love in a different way. So acts of service, huge for him. And oh, yeah. his attention to detail is literally unmatched. Oh my God. There were so many instances like when he fixed her porch without even being asked. I know. And then the chip thing where he literally picked out all the chips that she doesn't like and left the ones that she did. Oh my God. That was so cute. I think it was, I think she liked the folded chips. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, that, I've never had a man do that for me. Where's my Archer? <laughs> Where's my folded chips? <laughs> yeah, damn it. Also, Archer leaving the bouquet of Almond Joy. That was so fucking cute. And it was a kind of a wink, wink, hint, hint at their original meat cute at the grocery store because she had dropped all of those Almond Joys and was embarrassed. But he later tells her that it was the first time he had felt like a real person because she had blushed and was embarrassed and no one had acted embarrassed in front of him before. Right. He liked her right away. Because he started, you know, cataloging stuff mm-hmm. in his head. And he, well, was gonna- he was experiencing actual human interaction for like the first time in, since the accident, I'm sure. Right, yeah. Other than with his uncle, who was also a little bit unusual, but <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. But he was a good person. And, you know, right after that is right after she drops the almond joys and she gets in her car, there's also this moment that kind of is a nod off to the cover. The original cover is this blue cover with just this white dandelion. And honestly, people had been telling me to read that book for a long time. And I was like, the cover is so boring. I don't want to read it. However, there is this new special edition that is stunning. It's purple with like gold dandelions. I love that edition. But the original one, I took a while to read it because I was just kind of like, eh. But within the first chapter, Brie makes a wish for peace post her traumatic experience with a dandelion, and then right after she runs into Archer at the grocery store, a dandelion like floats across her dash and some of the seeds get stuck on her wipers. I mm-hmm. was like, that is such foreshadowing. This is totally a sign. The random homeless rugged lumberjack guy is the man. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into Archer, he's constantly pulling at your heartstrings. Yeah, it's so interesting reading from his perspective because he's so young-minded and inexperienced. And the way he gets butterflies over Brie, but is so lonely, he literally questions her motives. And his walls are naturally up because he's lost his parents and voice at such a young age. Right. He's just fucked from literally not only the trauma of watching his mother die and losing his voice, but his cousin in quotations because he ends up being his brother later on that he finds out oh i forgot about that fucking tortures him like all the time like he and then he just always felt weird and it's so amazing to watch him learn to not only love in a friendship style way but also trust someone else because he would you know try and be with his cousin and then his cousin would totally knock him down and make fun of him to everyone else. Ugh, yeah, we'll get into Travis. That's a whole Yeah. He's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But other ways that he pulls at your heartstrings, I would say saving her from Nate's trap. 
and naturally takes care of her how his mom did for him as a kid. That was such a fluff moment. I mean, my heart was like so full reading that. Even though it's such a basic thing for him, it's such a big moment. Right. You know, because he's like the hero for her and he's like doing something that he learned from his mom who he loved and hasn't seen in so long. And then there's also that moment where he's silently spelling my Brie in sign language over and over on her skin. Ugh, so cute. Dude, that moment, I was so fucking giddy. And like, I was like, you're fucking right. That's your Brie motherfucker. Yes, you love it. (laughs) (laughs) I love how he just automatically does like those basic masculine things like holding the door open for her and having no idea that she's like, oh my God, like no one does this anymore. Like you're like, I like that you're doing that. Right. But he's just doing that because that's him. Yeah. Or the the part where he like, and this is a TikTok trend too that I've seen mm-hmm. where he leans on a door frame with oh, his hands sh- above him because he's so tall. <gasps> Fucking hot. Because their biceps pop out oh. and like their shirt lifts a little bit. I'm like, mm, what are yeah. you packing under mm-hmm. there? Yep. <laughs> It's it's too good. And the fact that he doesn't know he's that fucking appealing. It makes it so much better. Right. This is what I'm saying, people. It is so good. This book. I can't tell you enough about how obsessed I was with Archer. And Bree was just as obsessed because he's not the type to smile around town, right? Like this town has not been kind to him. Like he's been living on his own for a while. And Bree becomes kind of greedy and possessive of Archer's rare smiles, which is such a giddy fluff moment. I love it when they don't smile, but they only smile for her. Because it's like something that, it's almost like, obviously they only, in this book specifically, they only have sex with each other. But like, no one knows what goes on in the bedroom. Right. But in real life, the smile, and people in the town know he doesn't smile. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's only smiling for her, Mm -hmm. it's like you're mine in a way, like claiming but not it's necessarily saying it out loud. Right. And it's also almost like a grumpy sunshine. Like I typically would see that in other books when it's grumpy sh- sunshine. But at the same time, he's not actually a grumpy guy. I think that's just how he... He's had to become emotionless because of right how, everything that literally happened to him. Yeah. So it's really unique, his personality. It's so different from a lot of other MMCs I've read. I agree. Also, when he gets her a phone so that he can text her, how fucking cute. Oh my gosh, I loved that. The way that he can text more details to her versus signing to her, because obviously you can't get everything in when you're signing. And when they're apart, it just makes her feel so much more special. I love it. There's also a part where Archer shaves so the scar on his neck is visible. And somehow only gets hotter. And the whole point of shaving wasn't even for vanity. It was so that Brie could see his facial expressions better. Because again, a lot of nonverbal communication in here. But she gets the idea. She's like, okay, wait. He looks really good with his facial hair cut away. She did not mind the scar. She thought it was sexy. I agree. Adds to his ruggedness. Mm -hmm. And she gets the idea. She's like, okay, I'm going to cut his hair. So she cuts his hair for him. And remember her, like, boobs are in his face? She, it's because, like an erotic haircut. Right. It's, it's the most... 
He's the most erotic character. I didn't ever know read. you could get fucking turned on by cutting someone's right. hair, but here we are. Right. It's like if you think of it in this way, he has not had like a caressing or gentle touch for a long time. So when you're getting your hair done, usually your scalp is tingling, like your fingers are running through the hair. And she kind of notices that. Well, first of all, she's already feeling it because she's into him. Mm -hmm. And she kind of notices that he's kind of stiff. And so she's like, let me like go in front of him and put my boobs in his face and kind of pushing him to make a move. But he totally freaks out. I know. And then he straight up just asks her if she wants him to kiss her because he's so inexperienced. Mm -hmm. I love that. He's like straight to the point. He's like, I don't know if we're on the same vibe. Very beta male moment. But at least he had the guts to ask. And that leads to his first kiss. OMG at him moaning and not having sound, but moaning with a puff of air. Oh, God. Dude, when even when they have sex, like his voices. Yes. Because he can't he can't make the sound. So it's like how he breathes. Like, oh, my that's God. Almost more erotic to hear just the breathing of like how I'm like getting I'm fanning yeah, myself I'm like, wait over a second. here we need to go tell our men don't talk just breathe <laughs> <laughs> let me know how it is by just breathing okay I will the way it's described in the book is a small exhale as if he were breathing life into me and maybe he had been all along Jesus fuck like- I know I know. I'm literally over here like, let's reread this right now again. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way the author describes their intimate moments. It's so much more about reading each other, especially since they can't speak. And if their hands are busy, they need to speak in different ways through looks and reading that body language. Body language is everything, people. For real. Like, you know, I feel like I just get lost in other books where it's the guy talking. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, a guy talking that makes a world of difference but right i do love some dirty talk if he is yeah it's so sexy (laughs) i don't know what else to say it's just so fuck i just need someone to breathe on me (laughs) apparently (laughs) that'll get me done (laughs) it also turns into a couch makeout and even though he's inexperienced he's still like grinding on her which kind of just leads back into that dance between man and woman is pure instinct. I thought that was so interesting how he has zero experience, yet he knew how to not only pleasure himself, but her. Right. It's literally just, I mean, you could throw it back to like when you're in high school and you're making out with someone, then all of a sudden you start grinding against each other. You might like, I don't know if there's a hole there. Cause you know, sometimes you don't know when you're young, but (laughs) you're like, this feels good when it's rubbing against each other. I don't know what we need to fucking do, but let's keep it going. So true. Even though they only made out, there's such a strong emotional connection. And like you said, that fluff mm-hmm. building between them, like she's already admitting in her head that she's falling in love with him. Archer is obviously already smitten as well. Yeah. And they haven't even had sex. I know. That's why it's such a fluffy book mm-hmm. because – They don't even need penetration and we're already like, yes. Yeah, I'm already like clenching my fucking legs over this guy breathing. Like, it's fine. They're fucking dry humping. Like, in any other thing. Yeah, yeah, literally in any other thing, it'd be like, oh, yeah, they dry humped. And I'd be like, fucking pussies. Like, why don't they have sex? And in this, I'm like, oh, 
gonna dry hump the fuck out of each other. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Archer finally makes it to second base. And I was kind of laughing because everything he does with her is like his first time, right? Yeah. And he asks Brie where she likes to be touched, which is also <gasps> honestly so erotic. Like a guy that's comfortable enough to say, like, where do you want to be touched instead of just assuming mm-hmm. he knows what I want. Amazing. This is what made me love the man as the virgin trope because she can lead. He cares about how she's feeling, aka not a selfish lover. And girls typically, I feel like, are more emotionally sexual, which is why I'm convinced smut reading is so popular because you get that entire backstory romance and then we get to the fucking. I I agree with that. Speaking of third base... This motherfucking guy in his blowjob. Like, I don't know what it is about guys in their blowjobs, but his reaction to her giving one, he's literally like, this is the motherfucking holy grail. Why the fuck hasn't this ever been done to me before? I want this all the time. And the way she describes his breathing and his reaction in that part and how he's so excited signing like, will you do that again? <laughs> she's just like she's giggling like, to herself. Yeah, she's like finds it <laughs> endearing. She's like, sure, I'll suck your dick again. Speaking of dick sucking. <laughs> <laughs> fucking slay intro to this part. Yeah, if you hadn't guessed it already. We're going to the strip club scene because Travis is a selfish, jealous, greedy little motherfucker who decides, oh, let's take Archer to the strip club and let's get him drunk. And then literally says to Archer, Brie will want someone experienced. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That prick has an agenda and is trying to ruin them just because she rejected him for Archer. Because if you don't remember, Travis did ask her on a date when she first gets to town. But like, dude, it was one date. Get over it. I don't even think it was really about Brie necessarily, like Travis wanting Brie. It was just the fact that Archer got chosen over him. Oh, yeah. And he was like, I'm going to destroy any chance of happiness that you could ever possibly have. Oh, God. Yeah. He, at this point, is definitely the main antagonist. And then also making someone who already doesn't have high self-esteem or confidence question himself more total setup i know and he was like if you see someone you like go for it brie will appreciate it it's what men do archer like literally fuck you he's the biggest walking red flag Mm -hmm. there could fucking be this whole scene i was literally clenching my fists and being like what the fuck like (laughs) i really hope he doesn't do anything i know because i it's not his fucking fault he has no idea how it is to be in the real world at all no he's never fucking had sex so if someone is telling him because at this point travis is it seems like travis is gonna be this good guy to him again so he is he's he's opening his trust up to brie now he's opening it up to travis like and brie is the one who was like oh you know try to build a relationship with him like yeah fuck you brie at this fucked up honestly (laughs) and It also, the book kind of tricks you because it fades to black a little bit when he's sent to that room with the stripper. Oh, dude. That's why I I was like, um, blowjob, sex, handjob, like you don't know, but Mm -hmm. you kind of assume based off the the part it fades to black, like they fucked. Right. And the fact that Archer immediately goes to Brie and tells her he's clearly sad, but I understand her anger because she's in love with him. And 
he didn't completely explain himself. Like it was definitely a miscommunication thing. But again, he can only sign. He's not familiar with the way relationships work and the real world works. So I don't think he really actually understood that he needed to say all that happened was she like tried to touch me down there or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember. Was it a blowjob or a hand job? It was something basic like that. She yeah, she was like starting to do something and then he felt wrong about it because right. it wasn't Brie. Right. But honestly, I was fucking pissed at Brie at this point. One, like you said, she was pushing him to go with Travis, which I think is just like, dude, if you're going to build a relationship with them, like you need to be there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why you're trusting him. I know she didn't know everything that happened in his past because right. remember there was that one thing where Archer was like jacking off in the woods to <laughs> that one girl like oh, oops. Archer I that was a little sus but he didn't know but then Travis totally embarrasses him about it so there's things like that that we know as a reader that I don't think Bree knows that does make a difference but right the fact that she immediately assumes that he's a bad person like he doesn't fucking know no and it just, she baffles me because even if he did sleep with someone, the dude has no fucking social skills. So he has no idea what is right and what is wrong in this situation. And she should have been fucking looking out for him. And she's just like immediately, you fuck someone else. Fuck you. I'm done with you. I know. After all she knows about him already. I like, know. girl, come on. I I get her reaction, but I think she was a little too quick to anger and didn't give him enough of a chance to communicate. It's already hard for him to communicate. Like, get him to elaborate. She needed to be like, did you have sex with her? Right. Did you do... She needed to, like, she specify needed to be specific. Yeah. what they did. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean... It's so hard to stay mad at Archer, though. I know, because also I think he was just, like, saying what he did and not necessarily... What she did. No... Saying what he did, but not saying that like Travis kind of like was leading him in that direction. She kind of realized that later, like, oh my God, like this motherfucker set him up. Yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 I understand her reaction. Yes. But you're still a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I, again, cannot stay mad at Archer. He knows she gets triggered by thunderstorms because of her trauma. And right after this whole strip club debacle, Bree finds him sitting on her porch that he walked to in a thunderstorm because he can't drive at this point because he knows she's scared of thunderstorms. Like, hello, I'm ugly crying. (laughs) This is so cute. And I was just like, please let him inside, Bree. Please forgive him. You know what I mean? Because he's like... He's, it's like a sad puppy. Like, just let him in. He just wants to please you. And then that's the same moment that she does get clarification. Okay, wait. He didn't have sex with a stripper. I was screaming. I was like, thank fucking God. I know. I was like, I really, yeah. I, I assumed the worst. I thought he had sex with the stripper. And I was I like, know. Oh, yeah, it probably wasn't that good. No. Um, <laughs> God. But- I'm so glad that Brie comes back around, slaps the shit out of fucking Travis. And mm-hmm. then this man has the audacity to be like, oh, no, I didn't fucking do anything. That was all Archer. Like, literally, no, that doesn't make sense. I know. You cannot say that. We're not stupid. No. He doubles down on that shit. I was like, are you kidding me, motherfucker? Do you feel like Travis and Archer 
in a way are reliving their dad and uncle's story? I mean, kind of, because it goes back to what I was saying about how I don't think Travis was into Brie for Brie. He just wanted Archer to have nothing. Mm. So I don't think that's the same necessarily because I do believe that Marcus did like like the mom at some point. Maybe he didn't like her anymore. I don't really understand. But I mean, yeah, it, was it just a sibling rivalry to get the cutest girl or was it genuine? Attra- it it genuine could have attraction. been because I mean, genuine attraction for Connor, a hundred percent. But I mean, the stories do align in the way that they're fighting over one girl. In the past, it was Alyssa and Archer's mom, which makes Victoria jealous. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't end well. But and in this situation, it's more Travis being jealous, though. Right. Yeah. I and- mean, in the past story, it was literally Victoria and Marcus being the jealous ones of Connor and the and Alyssa's relationship yeah. versus this yeah. book is literally just I mean it's not a love triangle because Bree doesn't like Travis but it early on you think it could be you yeah know? it's like which of the he comes the off, hail boys will she pick right he comes off as this charming you know police officer blah 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 and then he's a fucking dick and you're like okay yeah, yeah. chill out also this scene when she finds out he didn't sleep with the stripper and he's like soaking wet. They finally fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining uh, the notebook where Noah's like in the rain. He's like, say you love me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they fuck in the house. That's what? kind of the vibe that I'm getting. Yeah. From this. That is basically the same. Yeah. Except, I mean, they actually use a bed. And again, homeboy's a virgin. So this is his first time. And like Carly said, it's a vanilla romance, so it's not wild by any means. But the level of intimacy and connection they have is so intense. I was still drooling over it. And then I want to kick over to the bonus chapter that some of you may have read, some of you may have not. But in case you don't know, it's from Archer's point of view. And I didn't actually read the bonus chapters because I didn't know they existed. I got it on Kindle Unlimited. So I don't know if I just didn't have access to that. Like maybe mm. I had to have had the physical copy or maybe yeah, I, I just didn't scroll down far enough because sometimes what they do is they'll do an epilogue and then they'll do like whatever those things are in the end where they're saying like who. Yeah, there'll be stuff. links and stuff. And yeah. then they'll be like, oh, bonus chapter at the bottom. So maybe I didn't scroll far enough. So I'm actually interested to kind of hear about these bonus chapters. Yeah, so in that bonus chapter... Um, It's from his point of view, and he basically says he sees desire in her eyes but convinces himself he wouldn't know how to read a woman afraid to follow his instincts. And then he's like, but if I followed my instincts, I'd walk her backward until she was flush against the wall. I'd press myself into her. I'd taste her mouth first, then everywhere else. I'd run my hands down her body, know the feel of her beneath my palms. I wanted to describe all the ways I desired her by using my fingers to write thoughts on her skin. My hands clenched on my thighs, aching to say the words. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, the fucking quotes in this book. Oh. Also, LMAO and when he likes his ass grabbed. <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. This whole unexpected virgin vibe, again, first time I've ever read a beta male book, first time I've ever read where 
she's had sex before and he's the virgin. I loved it. And I think it was just the way that they had to describe it. Like it wasn't, I feel you could be like really generic with sex in other books Mm -hmm. where maybe it is like he can talk, but this, it really had to be about body language. And I love that he, like you said, he wanted to make her feel good. And it's kind of like she knows what to do. So she's like, all right, like do it this way. So she can teach him from the beginning. Right. This is how it's done versus like them both being virgins. And it's like, we don't fucking know what we're doing. And I feel (laughs) like, I feel like sometimes virginity is taboo. Like when the guy's like a fucking sex maniac and then the girl's a virgin, I'm kind of like, all right. And then she's like all of a sudden fucking taking dick like no other. That shit's wild. And it honestly happens a lot in a lot of the books I read. Anytime I find out like she's actually a virgin, I'm like, okay, well, I don't know if I can believe these sex scenes are actually (laughs) as enjoyable as you're saying then. Archer's afraid of losing her and she notices the sex gets more intense. But I'm kind of like, hey, I wouldn't mind. He's getting into the groove of it, you know? Right. And then also he gets more possessive after they have sex because he has a total freak out when she goes back to her hometown to convict the almost rapist and she isn't returning texts. And in his mind, literally everything bad is happening. And he's like, I'm going to fucking lose her. Like right. He's finally opening up his heart and then he's going to lose her. Like, what the fuck? And then it even gets more passionate because they finally say, I love you. Right. Archer turns into this more dominant, taking control type of guy. He knows what she likes because she's shown him. And there's this one moment where I think they're in the position of Broken Eagle on the couch. What the fuck is Broken Eagle? I actually don't know what that is. What are you talking about? I'll I'll buy you a copy of the Kama Sutra. (laughs) Well, just explain it really quick. So in the scene, well, also another reason the scene is so erotic is because the way she's facing she can see their reflection and him taking her in their giant glass windows because they're in the living room with like the fireplace on on the couch and the position i'm looking up the exact definition it's involves the receiving partner lying face down and the receiving partner keeps one leg straight while bending the other and you're getting taken from the back so are her is she like bent up and it's yeah. just the the dude no oh, so like so laying flat the- one legs up one legs down and he like the way he is in the book he has one leg on the floor so he's like really fucking dominating her like he's going to fucking town but she's like loving it honestly she's like looking at the reflection and he's like and she's like that's my man have like, you ever like looked in a mirror before no, I almost don't want to see myself. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't want to know what my face looks like. Yeah. <laughs> a little would, cringe. I feel like I would have to look at like the guy, not myself. No. Because if I was looking at myself, I'd be like, ooh. I mean, <laughs> if a guy is like, pulls my hair back and is like, I want to see you. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's different because that's hot. Like if they're making me, but I'm not going to be like, Going let's, out of your way for yeah, it. Yeah, let's angle towards this mirror. <laughs> Pass. We love a good jealousy. She is mine story, oh, which has yeah. already been happening with Travis. And then you bring in her old boyfriend, guy friend, Jordan, who we talked about in the beginning. He fucked up, tried to move in on her. Mm-hmm. Like Archer 
is like, <laughs> I love him. He's, he's not just, having it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, these bitches ain't fucking getting you. Don't Mm-mm. even think about it. And Jordan is totally acting like sus about Archer. And I'm like, what's yeah. your fucking problem, dude? That is clearly her man. And I kind of loved Archer claiming his territory against Jordan, glaring at him and then giving her a hickey on purpose. I mean, I totally get why Brie got upset, but also so hot. Claim your territory, babe. Claim it. (laughs) Brie also caves and says she loves him first right after that. And thank God, because I think Travis really got in Archer's head with the even if you love her, that's not enough. How are you going to support her? Blah, blah, blah. And of course, he loves her too. I want to touch on this part that really shows how reliant Archer becomes on Brie because he does not have basically anyone else in his life. Right after she identifies her father's murderer, she comes back to his place destroyed because if you don't remember, this is right after her phone had died and she's not texting him back. When she gets into his place, clearly destroyed, she finds him in his room, bundled on his bed, staring at the wall, literally shaking. Like he had freaked out that he was alone in the world again and says to her, I almost forgot what it feels like to be completely alone. I think this is the part where most romance novels have that third act breakup, I think is what it's called. Yeah, I think so. I personally like a third act breakup. I need some fucking drama like put into Mm -hmm. this. It can't be all perfect. I've read books where there aren't. And I'm like, this guy is so fucking perfect. Like he doesn't fuck up. Like there's nothing. I think there's a way to do third act breakup where it's too much. Where I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is so outlandish. It's stupid. Right. But I need a little something. Like I'm not reading this book to be like, oh, everything fucking is happy. Go lucky. Like I need some fucking. mm." Mm hmm. Yeah, the thing about third act breakups for me is they can be kind of cliche, but I've also heard that there's almost like a formula to writing a romance novel. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the third act breakup in this is different because it's a different kind of miscommunication. Like they're typically miscommunication. This one is more like, you know, they can't have a phone call. They don't Like, it's not like he said something she didn't understand or she said something he didn't understand. Mm -hmm. It was like he literally thought she got in a car accident and died just like his mom. And just his entire world bursts because he doesn't have the one person he had who he had just admitted he's in love with anymore. Right. And it happens again because she falls asleep at her house and doesn't show up. And then he's wrecking the house and worry and he hears the sirens and he goes running and he's like, fuck, like that's her because he thinks something happened to her. Right. And it didn't. So it's like, it's literally like a reoccurring thing. Yeah. It, yeah. It doesn't just happen once. It happens multiple times. Like he's paranoid as fuck. And he even says to her, this is the burden of loving me. That fucking mm. broke me. I was like, Brie, you better not fucking leave him because – Ugh, he's trying his best. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's not like he's instantly going to be like, okay, you know, yeah. we're cool. We're a normal relationship. No, it is not like that with him. He's fragile. To get to know him, Brie asks how he got his scar, but he says, I felt almost normal today at the diner. I don't want to remember how broken I am tonight, Brie, please. And then there's another situation where he's like, I used to think I was cursed, but then I realized it probably wasn't that I was cursed, more that I was being punished. I think he thinks the accident is his fault. So he's always on high alert. I think so too. And I just think it starts right at 
when he's running away and he's running away for love, but also he doesn't know it's for his own safety. And then his mom trying to get him to buckle when they crash, but she hadn't buckled up yet. So he's like, okay, automatically that's my fault. And then him running at Marcus after he realized his mom is dead. And then he thinks it's his fault that he's getting shot. It's because he's literally having this traumatic moment as a seven-year-old kid. Yeah. Like, I just think his mind wasn't developed. All of a sudden, this happened. And then he did not have a normal childhood after that either. Not at all. So he just doesn't know how to process things. I wouldn't even say, like, as an adult, because he's not a child. Like, he's not acting childish. No. He just doesn't know how to, like... He didn't have a normal childhood. Not only was the part when he actually had parents toxic, but then he loses them and has some crazy psycho fucking uncle, ex-military, paranoid motherfucker. Yeah. Like, he very not ideal. Yeah, he, w- he just didn't ever develop like that. I think it's social skills. Nor- yeah, y- yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I love the way Brie approaches this after he shares all of this with her. And I almost... It's too long of a quote to get tattooed, but Mm -hmm. like, that's how much I love this quote. She says, try to believe that maybe more light shines out of those who have the most cracks. Like, how fucking cute is that? This, again, like you said, this book and the quotes, it's crazy. And then that fucking letter, though. Dude, I want to point out how ironic this is. Because Archer asked her to stay with him because he's scared of losing her like everyone else in his life. Then he goes and leaves a letter explaining he thinks he's not enough and he needs to become a man and blah, blah, blah is going to lose her anyways. Bree says, fuck it, I'm in love with him. I'm going to wait for him. Gives total Twilight series vibes when Bella sits in that room depressed and the seasons <laughs> go by, you know? Yeah, like, new Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I get it because like... It's almost like we were just saying he didn't have those social skills. So then he goes out and gets the social skills he needs. But at the same time, like the fucking irony of this is not lost on me. Would you have waited for him if it was you? Mm -mm, I wait for no man. (laughs) (laughs) He was gone for a long time, too. I mean, maybe a couple weeks. Like, I guess if I'm in love with him, maybe I've never been in love with anyone. So I don't know, like how strong that is other than my dogs i'd wait for my dogs <laughs> yeah i think i think it's hard because you're kind of mad at archer for doing that and being like dude what the fuck like i totally get him needing to go out and kind of realize that he can be on his own i think he needed that because you're seeing True. like we talked about multiple scenes where he is way too dependent on her and you know like Shit could happen later on in their lives where it's not traumatic, but she could like get cancer and die. Yeah. He needs to be able to learn to be on his own. So I totally get him needing to do that. But he easily could have done it. I feel like with her. I feel like there is a different way that he could have gone about it. But would he have been able to have the mental capacity to figure that out? I don't think so. Because again, he just he's just not normal in that way yeah but fuck it's hard because she loves him so much i mean it's not just about the dick like this is an emotional like connection that's why we're like waiting for him meant to be love like soulmates 
Yeah. Because they're I feel not like, just sexually attracted to each other. Right. They're extremely emotionally attached. I feel like once you find that emotional attachment with someone and it's real and it's genuine and you realize like this isn't something I'm making up in my head. Like I want this. I'm never going to find that with anyone else. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be hard to move on. And if you moved on, it still wouldn't be the same. So it's like almost not worth it to try and start something new because That's it's not going to be point. as good as it was before. You know what, though? I would also develop this fear that he would just do it again, just disappear on me again. No, totally. Trust needs to be built back. Oh, and yeah. that is something that when, you know, Archer comes back, I feel like it's got to be reiterated to him multiple times. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not going to be exactly the same as it was before because you left. Like, you're going to have to put in some work groveling we love it mm -hmm. needs to happen but you can crawl to me <laughs> <laughs> he probably would <laughs> and when he does come back and he's looking all fucking sexy in his tux at that party mm -mm, and mm. she sees him from across the room like shit yeah i would have forgave him immediately i would have been like <laughs> oh there he is fucking my sexy lumberjack in a tux mm. love him and then they when they like look at each other from across the room and make eye contact. She's like, you're here. And he fucking signs back to her. I'm here for you. Oh my Stop. God. Stop. I'm fucking swooning. I know. Ugh. But when it switches over to Archer's POV and he says, God, I hope she's still mine. I was honestly still bitter. I, I write in my books, like I'll make notes yeah. when I have a physical copy. And I literally wrote, you motherfucker, you're lucky it was only three months. <laughs> <laughs> like god damn it I she was know. so depressed i know asshole <laughs> he was an asshole he was he totally. was nope totally and after reuniting archer goes into you know what he's been doing for the past three months and you know he's had all these odd jobs he's learning that he can be on his own but what really made him want to go back is after seeing that old man sitting by himself and it occurred to him that some people go through their whole lives never been loved or loving as deeply as I love you. There's always the chance that I could lose you in this lifetime. There's nothing any of us can do about the possibility of loss. But in that moment, I decided I was focused on the great privilege to have you at all. Oh my God. So, so cute. Like, I mean, you can't fucking be mad at him after he says that. No. You're he like, won he won me back so fast. Yeah. Like and you know he's so genuine about it too. I know. Like he means every word of it. And that kind of is what you already touched on like she could get cancer, like she could have gotten a car accident, like has mo his mom gotten a car accident. Like there's so many ways that like the love of your life can just be taken from you and for him to have all that past trauma and to just fucking leave. That was so shocking to me, so I'm glad he had this realization. He right. won us back. Yeah, he just real like I mean exactly what he said like you're so lucky that you found this person that essentially I would say they are soulmates mm -hmm. like why wouldn't you want to live every second with them like you wish right. it's like when you wish you find the person that you're supposed to be with you like I wish I would have met you sooner so I could spend more time with you oh my god you know he's yeah. never gonna get those three months back but Idiot. at least he it was only three months yeah of course Right after they're finally happy, he's back, you know, they're out in public together. 
that guy Brie identified as her dad's killer all of a sudden shows up. I was literally like, the book is going to end. Like, we're done. Because the third act breakup already fucking happened. They came back together. I'm like, this is the drama of it all. And then fucking boom. I was not expecting him to come back at all. I was literally so fucking shocked. And heart fucking wrenching. Him jumping in front of her. Oh, my God. Like, dude. If, If you didn't forgive him, he's forgiven. The man got shot. And he thought he died. To take a bullet for someone? Yeah, come on. How can you not forgive him? You already forgive him for his fucking magic mouth with all these words he says without actually fucking speaking. And then he takes a bullet for her. But I'm not even thinking about this at this point because Brie is screaming, oh God, no, 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 please no. And Travis tries to get Brie off of him. And then to top it off, the last sentence of that chapter says, but Archer didn't hear me. He was already gone. I literally reread that like five times because I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then, it, you know, you get into that speed reading mode and you're trying to read the next yes. pages, but you can't because you're like, that didn't really happen. And it's like, oh, it's a fucking. Yeah, I was I was bawling my eyes out too at this point because I literally was like, oh my God, why the fuck can't they be happy? Like they've already been through so much together. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I reread that scene and next chapter probably 20 times. <laughs> but psych, love me a good fake death trope, baby. <laughs> Dude, I was so pissed. Because it's misleading. Because the next chapter starts with the whole town gathered in honor of Archer. So you're like, it's his fucking funeral. I know. We are at his fucking funeral. <laughs> and the anger my, you have I know, right now. I, I'm so mad. If you guys could see me, I'm like talking with my hands. I'm like throwing my fist in the air. I'm like, damn you, Mia Sheridan. <laughs> but by page two, you realize he's alive and addressing the fucking town as the mayor or some shit. I've never been so simultaneously pissed off and elated <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Like, I bawled my eyes out rereading those pages for, like, 30 minutes for nothing. (laughs) I love, like, the fake death trope because it makes you realize how invested you are in the characters, in their love story. And it just reiterates that. And really good tie out at the end of the story with him taking over the town because Victoria Hill, that fucking bitch, was finally brought to justice and his confidence was just boosted and... I feel like Archer necessarily wasn't a boy, but he was a lost man. And now he's yeah. a man. Like he's taken back his life and he's fucking doing it. And he's taken charge of a whole damn town. Sexy. Mm-hmm. It ends with this quote. I thought to myself, Archer Hale's voice was one of the most beautiful things in the whole world. I loved this because he obviously doesn't technically have a voice. And it's a reference to the title of the book, Archer's voice. I want to touch on the antagonist real quick as well, because we didn't necessarily go over in detail what came to fruition through those flashbacks. Yeah. Because obviously the big part, Marcus was not his father. Connor really was. Marcus shot Archer. But fuck fucking Victoria Hale. Literally two words to describe her. Absolutely disgusting. Victoria Hale is a bitch from the beginning. She makes up some bullshit about him assaulting her several years ago to try to get Brie to stop talking to him and demands, demands she stays away from him, which two things. One, 
I would be like, I'm a grown ass woman. Don't tell me what to do. And two, super sus. Like she wasn't being like, hey girl, like let me let you know. She was like, don't fucking go near him. And then right. he also did this. This is why you shouldn't go near him. It's like, you're being fucking sus yeah. for sure. And the fact that she was the reason that Archer basically got shot and then to keep him quiet from revealing that he is Connor's oldest son and he owns the town and kind of what happened. She refuses to let him get the surgery that could have potentially given him his voice back, which heavily impacted the rest of his childhood as well as his life. You're a fucking bitch. I hate you. And thank God Archer was not taken into her custody instead of the crazy uncle because I literally couldn't imagine how more fucked up he would be if that happened. If you think you felt bad for him before, when I read that at the end, that she is the reason he never got his voice back, like the fact that he had a fucking chance at a semi-normal life and because she wanted to keep her dirty secrets secret, even though he's a seven-year-old fucking kid. I mean, I can't even... I don't have kids and the anger that just rushed through me, not only anger, but like almost nausea. You know what I mean? Like it's so disgusting. Yeah. He's literally a child, like as innocent as can be. And on top of it, right. Just unbelievable. And on top of it, when it's revealed, Victoria is the reason the guy who shot Archer knew where to find her sealed my hate for her. I was like, I am out for fucking blood. Yeah, this is one of those ones where you're like, yeah, if someone kills her off, like we're fine. (laughs) Right. Moving on to Travis, our second antagonist. Travis Hale instantly gave me suspicious vibes as well. He blatantly checks her boobs out, looks at her like an object, and even grabs her arm. Total tool. Yeah, in addition to all the shit that he fucking did to Archer that comes from the past and then the whole strip club thing, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that Travis deserves redemption? To me, fuck no. (laughs) Like, I, you know, I could have heard the stuff of his past and been, and then him trying to be better, but he is constantly just trying to make Archer's life hell. And just for like Mm -hmm. no fucking reason to me, like literally what is he doing to you? Nothing. Yeah, because he didn't even know he was his brother either. Right. And I feel like that's like all of a sudden he finds out that he's his brother and then then he's like kind of fine with him. Like, fuck you, dude. You'd think it'd be the opposite because you'd think he'd be after leading the town and not wanting the secret out like his mom. But it's not. He's just like, like, are you just cruel to be cruel? Right. And he literally needs to grovel to Archer for the rest of his fucking life. Maybe on his deathbed, I would forgive him. But the fa- he literally is torturing Archer throughout his childhood. And the dude doesn't have fucking a mom or a dad anymore. Like, just how evil can you be? It's so uncalled for. Yeah, I just, again, like, I don't really understand why he's so mean. Like, was his mom just kind of talking to him, talking all these bad things up about Archer, you know, making him feel like he needed to make fun of him? Or is Travis just seriously a bad person? Because that's what I'm more leaning towards because even as like a teenager, you're kind of mean, whatever, but he's mean to him as an adult. So it's like, you're that person to your core. 
Right. Like you're purposefully making these decisions. Yeah. And I will say there is a Travis redemption book literally called Travis by Mia Sheridan. I still need to read it, but I'm interested to see how she writes his redemption story. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not going to fucking read it because I'm literally like he's (laughs) fucking dead to me. But I'll be interested to see what you have to say about it for sure. Yeah. I'll read it and let you know. It did come with an epilogue, which I love a good epilogue. Archer took over the town. Obviously, we know that. Four years later, they have three-year-old twins named after Archer and Bree's fathers. Which is cute because it's Archer's actual father who died trying to save him. And then Bree's father who died the same way trying to save her. Yeah, Archer's running the town as the revealed oldest son of Connors, so he inherits all the land. Yay for him finally having confidence in family. His internal dialogue during this part, he says, she had told me my voice mattered and her love made me believe it might be true. And sometimes that's all it takes. One person who's willing to listen to your heart, to the sound no one else has ever tried to hear. I want this kind of love. (laughs) Okay, final thoughts. Would you have pursued Archer in real life? Knowing his past, I mean, eventually you would know his past, but just as a character, you know, he didn't do the whole runaway shit, all that stuff. Just like him as a character, being mute, having this trauma, would you have pursued him? I would say yes, because to have a shot at a love with a guy who was so committed to you, Mm -hmm. huge. Yes, it's it wouldn't be easy, of course, like you know, the communication is totally different. But after reading this book and how deep the emotional connection is, I know I would love that. Yeah. He he worships the ground that she walks on. Yeah. And he's also not, again, not a selfish lover. He goes out of his way to do things for her just because he's genuinely a nice person. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I would give him a shot. Yeah. Would you? Yeah. No, I agree with everything that you said. Yeah. <laughs> so some similar books that I would recommend to this style of book would be anything by Emily Henry. I personally have only read Happy Place, which is a cutesy romance, level one spice, pretty tame. Tessa Bailey books are more spicy, but they're still kind of like a cutesy romance vibe. Uh, One in particular that I feel like a lot of people have read by her is It Happened One Summer, which is funny because the guy in his kind of lumberjacky vibes as well. And I don't know of any other mute MCs, but I do know plenty of small town romances with a good amount of fluff, such as Book Lovers or Beach Read, which are both also by Emily Henry. And then this author does have many other books that I have heard are very similar. This is actually the only book I've read by her, which is surprising considering it is one of my all-time favorite books. I need to read her other ones. This used to just be an individual book, not a series. But again, Travis came out. It's I haven't read it. I don't know if Brie or Archer are mentioned in it, but you know, it is the same town and Travis, a character we've already been introduced to from this story, will be in it. So it's somewhat tied into it. Right. And her newest publications for at least in 2023 are Bad Mother, Calder, and All the Little Raindrops. Okay. It's time for our bookish recommendation. Whoop, whoop. 
we had the chance to interview Alicia, also known as the Romantic Biblioteca. (laughs) (laughs) She's all about the spice in her reads, but also has a sweet tooth too. Whether it's a shy, closed-door romance or a steamy tale that kicks down the door, she's reading and reviewing it. Recently, she wrote a glowing review on Archer's Voice stating, Mia Sheridan's words on these pages are pure magic. The love that unfolds between Brie and Archer is so palpable, it had me reaching for tissues. Their healing journey together is profound, reminding us of the transformative power of connection and the courage to embrace change. I know. Palpable? I know. God damn. (laughs) Her reviews get me feeling some type of way. (laughs) For real, that (laughs) review literally had me like almost tearing up remembering how impactful that book was. Right. Speaking of impactful, Alicia is also hosting a dementia and Alzheimer's awareness book stack for the month of September. This will be her third time hosting, so she has previous stacks and her highlights on her Instagram profile. Please join us in posting your hashtag bookstack for a cause where she is donating for every purple spine slash cover in memory of her mom who bravely battled Alzheimer's and dementia, which inspired her to begin this awareness stack. Which honestly is really cool because I've never heard of this before, but my great grandmother did battle Alzheimer's um, at the end of her life for five oh, years. I didn't and know it's, that. it's very, very, very hard. Mm-hmm. to go through that, you know, as a loved one. So this is a really, really, really good cause. Please, please participate. It's really awesome. Don't forget to also hashtag purple book stack for ALZ and tag Alicia for a chance to win the book giveaway with every entry. You can, of course, also check out her profile for more information on this hashtag, the stack and the giveaway. And definitely follow her because she has amazing detailed reviews. Her at name is The Romantic Biblioteca. I just like saying it that way. (laughs) (laughs) And to spell it out for y'all, it's at sign T-H-E-R-O-M-A-N-T-I-C-B-I-B-L-I-O-T-H-E-C-A. Would you rather? All right. It's my turn. I'm so excited. Ready for this? All right. It's nothing too crazy, but it's, I think it's a good one. I okay. Think it's a good one. Okay. All right. Would you rather read about loving vanilla sex? Okay. Or kinky, loveless, filthy sex? <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's a good one for this one because the loving sex, the vanilla sex in this book is top tier. Yeah. I, I'm definitely like an emotional person when it comes to sex. So it would have to be the first one because I couldn't just have sex to have sex. Like I would yeah. need an emotional level. And and vanilla romance isn't terrible. Like I no. I will read vanilla romance. Like I don't need the dude to be fucking putting a ball gag on her and fucking <laughs> her until the fucking sun goes down. It's fun to read it like that, but I do like switching it up into these vanilla romance books. So I'm not a hater hater on vanilla romance. Like everyone should do some missionary in their life, but you know, <laughs> sometimes you got to throw it back. Or a little broken eagle with a window reflection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised by your answer because of your typical reading style versus mine. I 
I think my answer is pretty obvious. I would choose the vanilla because I always go for the books with the fluff. I'll read a level one book all day, any day, whereas you're into more of the dark romance. But your answer is totally valid. I completely agree. You need to have that emotional connection. Alrighty, that's it for this episode. Archer's voice, Mia Sheridan. It was a banger. Not going to lie. (laughs) We'll see you back in two weeks where we'll be discussing Twisted Love. For more, follow us on our socials, TikTok and Insta at Read It and Write It. And subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you're listening in. Our DMs are open to would you rather suggestions or books and topics you want covered. Or you can email us at readitandwriteit at gmail.com. See you guys next episode.